podcast about coffee and related topics. My name is Joseph Jenkins, owner of Sustain Coffee Company, a business that I, along with other knowledgeable coffee geeks, baristas, and coffee shop hosts, use to teach people about coffee in interactive and highly discussional methods. But moreover, I am a coffee drinker, maker, and educator, and I really enjoy people. This podcast was inspired by many discussion starters that happened during monthly coffee 101 classes. My desire is to answer those questions in a more extensive manner, so sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Episode 4, Coffee for All. There was a bit of delay getting this episode out. I used Ableton to record it and export audio, and while editing this episode, the file became corrupt, forcing me to start over. If you notice, at times, the audio sounds strange or it seems that we are talking over each other. Due to latency issues, as we recorded this over a phone call, the audio overlapped in some strange ways and in some strange places. I have done my best to recover the conversation, and I hope it's not too much of a distraction. For today's episode, we reached out to our good friend, Bartholomew Jones, owner of Coffee Black, to share in the conversation. I knew that Mo would be the perfect person to talk about the topic of coffee for all. Apart from being a fellow coffee educator, Bartholomew is a rapper, father, coffee geek, and has an unwavering passion for his community. Some of the many reasons I really enjoy him. So join us as we discuss coffee in low-income neighborhoods, understand one another's taste preferences, and exchange our coffee thoughts. So what's up, bro? I know you wanted to talk about some stuff in the podcast. I'm in a car. Yeah. So I I I got a little time. Okay, let's do it. So yeah. at the top of every episode, um, I pose the question that's just what you drinking. So today okay. I am enjoying a natural process Brazil, uh, Diego Diaz from Heart, Route to the D60. Okay. My numbers were 17 grams of coffee, 270 grams of water. Hold my filter at 255. This coffee has been tricky as far as dialing in. I've been really craving a good Brazil. I don't know why. I just out of nowhere, Reverb had this Brazil for a while that was so delicious and i've just been chasing that kind of this one has not quite met that standard so no i feel you the same way bro like i had a really juicy brazil a couple of years ago and it was just like uh like like a blood orange like a sweet orange sweetness in this natural brazil and then like butter which I thought was yeah. super fascinating. So, like, natural Brazils are dope. I think the whole point with, with coffees, bro, is just that, like, they can surprise you and each of them have something really unique to offer. And I think when you get – the cool thing is when you know that technically, but you haven't tasted right. it, and then you taste it, and then you just get really fascinated, you know? And I think that's the same thing that's true about people. You know, I think God made us all with, like, unique things to offer. And so, like, when you get to experience somebody in their element and really in the way that he desired for them to be, like, it's just a really intoxicating experience. You know, that's why one of the things I love about the body of the Messiah is, like, there are so many different um, people and so many different things that we all bring to the table. Like, I remember I went, I went to a Korean church for, like, four years in college. And I remember the first time I really was, like, blown away by, like, man, these people are worshiping God, the beauty of the culture, 
like all of it. And I was just like really impacted in my own personal life and started learning a lot from like the people I was going to church with who yeah. were totally different than me, but also not very different once I really got in there. Coffee to me is so meaningless without people. During this time, like I would have weekly, weekly yeah, nights bro. where all the guys would come over and we'd brew up and that hasn't been happening. And it just really made me realize like, wow, a lot of the value that I place yeah. in coffee is in those relational moments. So I, I totally get what you're saying there, for sure. So what you been sipping on? I feel that, man. I got like nine coffees at the house. Um, so yeah, we're mm. cupping a lot of coffees right now for Gucci Mane. Um, and if you're listening, you don't know what Gucci Mane is. That's our, that's like the, our line of coffees that my company, Coffee Black, has. So like, we have a Sadamo right now that we've been uh, selling. So I'll, I'll probably drink that a couple times a week just to make sure that I, you know, have right. a good grasp on it and that my recipe still holds or, you know, try different tweaks or whatever. Um, and then also, we're, we're cupping two coffees that I, I can't say where, but they're, they're from Ethiopia, and we're trying to do more, like, Great. direct yeah. uh, direct trading, get closer to direct trading. And so I've been drinking those a lot. Um, and then I also have... Uh, coffees that people have been sending me so like i got coffee from from an egyptian guy that i've been building with in um chicago he sent me some coffee from one of his favorite roasters there's a um afro afro latino guy he's dominican um in new york he said he has a great coffee company they're killing it they're like i don't know if they're more second wave or not yeah. but like he's sold in like grocery stores whole foods he does it all by himself so like he sent me a medium roast uh, we got like this other processed coffee is I, I don't know how to describe it but they're trying to make coffee healthier I'm, this is always interesting trying to like have coffees where people are like chemically altering they also just recently got a coffee from black and bold which is a black owned uh, nationally distributed coffee company they're sold in like target so i went to target and they had like a limu ethiopian and now well, i can talk about that that's been super interesting so i did that one at like an 18 the interesting thing about buying coffee from a like a, a, a sure. chain store is that you don't really know when it was roasted, and because they're barcoding everything, they can't really like. Technically, they could throw it away every like thirty days, but you don't. There's no way to tell like you're shipping it to all these stores, so there's no way to tell like how much each store is going to go through. So you're kind of shipping it and it just sits on the shelf till it gets sold. So I have no idea when it was roasted, but um, I brewed it at like 204 degrees um, and I brewed 24 in, 360 out. And um, been doing more of yeah. this uh, like pulse recipe, kind of like the, the Hoffman or my take on the Hoffman thing. So like the put a little divot in there. I've been trying to make that divot deep recently, yeah. bro. Like going all the way down to like the bottom or at least trying to at swirling the swirling the, the bloom and then pouring up to right like 215 right. just trying to get to 60 percent of the total output by the time one minute and 15 seconds hit i'll let it go for like 30 more seconds and then finish it out i try to keep a little bit still on hand just in case like there are some little high and dries but first time i drank it i was like ah, i don't like this but i let it sit and came back and like the mm. blueberry just hot super hard and i was like that was weird like i like i drank it hot normally yeah. i like to drink coffee hot because the process like it changes right like so i i'm get i get something enjoyable in each kind of phase this one i got like nothing when it was hot 
And then as soon as it cooled a little bit, like it just got super sweet, super blueberry, super like lemony. I was like, what in the world? And then when it cooled down, it wasn't as, so I was like, bro, this is a, I don't know if that's because of the coffee or because of the, the roast. I mean, it could have been roasted last week, bro. I don't know. But I, it was cool to see that it was good. And it was, I was like, I would, I would recommend this to people if they were interested in trying it. Or they, I would just recommend it to people. It was really good. And they give like 5% of all their proceeds sure. to help that's this great. franchise use. Think about our lineup. Like, I don't yeah. really like to change coffees a lot for pedagogical reasons. But I do have, like, some special things we want to do this year. <laughs> so I've just been, like, we've been, like, running through cups, that's awesome. cuppings of coffees. Let's just jump right into it as yeah, far as the, the real topic I want to talk about today. I, okay. I knew you'd be the person that would be perfect yeah. to talk about this with. So I believe that coffee is for everyone, right? Includes the financial wealthy, those in, even in yeah. poverty, white, black, Asian, Hispanic, etc. And that like extends both here in the U.S. and globally. You know, I think even more so globally, right, where yeah. these farms are actually at. I think it's important to their culture, sure. Mm-hmm. So yeah, one of um, Sustain's core principles is providing education and proper education, because I believe that in order to appreciate something, there has to be education, mm-hmm. right? There has to be this level of knowledge that you can then pull from mm-hmm. that helps you understand a product, a procedure better. So my, one of my questions is, how yeah. do we provide lower-income neighborhoods with coffee shops and introduce especially coffee, to that demographic because it can be polarizing and pricey even for those of us who maybe are in greater or greater. Come on now. He said, my guy got the alliteration, polarizing <laughs> and pricey. You see, you go to a Baptist church. I can tell you. It's, it's polarizing and pricey to the people. Oh, it is. And even to those who are in, in great financial positions, right? Like even to yeah, the wealthy it can still be kind of polarizing and, and awkward. Um, so what are some ways that from your perspective and that you've seen that we can approach that avoids these negative aspects? Yeah, okay, I have a million things to say on this topic. So, okay, first and foremost, I think coffee okay. is in, in low-income neighborhoods primarily. Yeah. I think that's where most of the, most of the third-wave coffee right. shops are, if we're sure. just going to be honest. They're there already. <laughs> so now yeah. the question is, are, is the neighborhood in the coffee shop? You know what I mean? Because the coffee shops are in the neighborhood, but nine times out of 10, the neighborhood is not in the shop. And so then you have to ask the question, well, why, is the, why isn't the neighborhood in the shop? There are a myriad of reasons, and I think one of, the, one of the reasons is lack of education. Some of the reasons are because sometimes the shop doesn't want there, and I think the education is then not on the not to be given on behalf of the uh, the people who are not, who don't know about Third Wave Coffee, but it's more so yeah. the people in Third Wave Coffee who don't know about the neighborhood. And then that's that's where an education piece is needed. You also, on the flip side, need people to be educated about the coffee. And then there are so many um, things within the coffee that there, there needs to be education about. One, the history of it. Two, the people in the neighborhood's connection to it. Three, the actual, um, like, scientific details and just the the data that can be pulled from the thing then the cultural practices and the myriad of ways that it can be brewed worldwide um, and then people having the ability to discern and then five people having the opportunity to actually figure out their own preference Uh, but and and to do that in an informed manner but in a manner that's also not like empirical you know what i mean where where you have a a top-down 
educational model where it's yeah, like, this is the right way. And if you don't do it the right way, then you're doing it wrong. Because I think at the end of the day, um, like if there is a right way, it's probably like the Aromo people and, and Ethiopia <laughs> yeah. and Eritreans who have the right way to brew it because they, they discovered it. And we're not like if you're making coffee on a V60 like I made this morning or on an AeroPress like I made yesterday, you're not doing it the quote unquote right way. So then it becomes a question of really like, well, okay, what are what are what are just the ways you can do it and enjoy it and enjoying it those different ways and changing that process on a regular basis to stay curious, um, which is something that I think that's one of our like big things is just like curiosity. Um, because I think curiosity can lead to appreciation of yeah. the um, variety of ways to do something, uh, but also a value for the specific ways for each way, if that makes sense. The specific methods for each one, because when you're curious, yeah, exactly. you want to know all of the details for each method. You know what I mean? And then you also want to know well, what will happen if I change this one thing or if I blended these things. So I think it, it can lead to a space where we're all learning and we're not necessarily uh, excluding anybody, but where we're also not like remaining in ignorance and missing out on opportunities um, from like somebody else's discovery. Oh, I think yeah. This is the weird thing about coffee, bro, is that coffee is chemical, right? At the end of the day, it's a chemical substance that affects us on a biological level. And so I think when people have it, people have a tendency to yeah. like, you ever seen Lord of the Rings? <laughs> People tend yeah, to like golemize no. their coffee. You know what I mean? Like people try to turn to say it's my <laughs> coffee, it's my thing. And it's really not ours. Like we're kind of like borrowing it from like these 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 Ethiopian people who who uh, gave it to Yemeni, Yemeni people who gave it to like Middle Eastern people in Saudi Arabia and such who then like had it stolen by like people from Denmark and and it was passed on to Europe, so on and so forth. So, like, we're we're all kind of like on the tail end of this really yeah. weird Grand Theft Auto, Grand Larceny story, and trying to like most of us because like we want to, we enjoy it, we want to be able to identify with it, but then we also want to learn about it and be curious and to appreciate like the history behind it. So we're trying to give value and respect back to the people there so i think it's this process where people like when they get coffee they want it to be theirs and then when they realize there's stuff they didn't know about coffee then it's like oh i can't participate in this like i have to let someone else make it for me or i have to let somebody else tell me how to brew it or whether it's from a cultural perspective a historical perspective or just a purely like culinary perspective like i can only use this recipe and i have to get the like the actual dts or whatever like, I remember when I got into coffee, it was like, yeah. I have to I have to have a recipe first. Like, I have, you know what I mean? Because there's this fear once you realize, oh, this isn't my coffee. Like, it actually, there's a whole other world outside of it. And not even getting into, like, the historical process of it being stolen from people in Africa. It was just, like, this is, I just don't know as much as yeah. the cool hit barista down the street. You know what I mean? Like, it can't be mine because they have all this stuff and they don't have all this stuff. Like, I think there's a process then of feeling like, like almost like separated like from a child it's just weird but people like get emotional like oh i don't i don't know what i'm doing and there's all this stuff and so i think like creating spaces for curiosity 
has been like the yeah. biggest solution for both of those binaries, whether it's like, a, this is mine and you can't tell me how to do it <laughs> because I've been drinking coffee for 60 years. And we just like, there's some, there's truth to that, right? Like, don't, don't tell my grandma not to put cream and sugar in her coffee. Like, what do you mean? Like she's, her husband marched with Dr. King and he was drinking coffee the whole time. What, I'm going to tell him like he was doing it wrong? Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not doing that. You know what I mean? He can drink coffee wherever he wants to. Uh, but at the same time, if you create spaces for curiosity, it's like, okay, that's one way to do it. Like, here's something I like. You know, what do you think about that? And we can have conversations about both. And as long as you create spaces for that, I think, like, you win. The hard part, the hard part is that um, coffee comes with so many presumptions like about who it is and whose it is. And we just talked about this on my Instagram, but like um, I had a comment on one of our uh, Facebook or Instagram ads the other day. It was like a shirt. Uh, it was one of the Make Coffee Black and Union shirts and somebody was wearing it. And under it, I put like uh, Ephesians Ephesians 5.1. Is that right? It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Um, so yeah, I said it is for freedom Messiah set us free. Stand from then and no longer let yourselves yeah. be burdened by the yoke of slavery. Like, so it was like a Bible verse and then the shirt. And um, somebody commented, like, yeah, there's too many edgy coffee companies, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> and it was funny because I was uploading the episode that we just did on our podcast with um, Ibrahim from Aromo Coffee Beans, who's like from the Aromo tribe and trying to start a company to bring awareness and um, infrastructure and, and ownership back to his people group for a product they discovered and that they don't receive credit for it. And so, like, I was like, dog, I wonder, I posted under the, the guy's comment, I was like, I wonder if you, if the Aromo people feel like there's yeah, too many edgy coffee companies. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I wonder if they feel like, man, people are really kind of doing too much with this whole coffee thing. Like, we should just leave it alone. Like, yeah. they probably, they probably feel like no one acknowledges them and that no one <laughs> thinks about it as edgily if you want to be edgy, as they should, because they're like, yo, dog, y'all don't even talk about us. Um, so, like, he didn't, he didn't respond to it, but we just had a whole comment our conversation like in, in my Instagram stories about like how so, a lot of times I think like we can presume yeah. what it is and whose it is. You know what I mean? Because we, when we were introduced to it to get back to the educational piece, it was not given to us with any type of information mm -hmm. that's, uh, that would contradict our presumptions. Um, and so like, I think what is the most powerful thing that we've done, you know, with, with the brew up. So we do like these monthly coffee cyphers where it's like, it's like hip hop. We have a DJ, we rap, we, we brew coffee three different times, kind of in, 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 um, in, uh, homage of the way Ethiopians brew coffee in their ceremony, they do three different brews. And it's, it's, a, it's a long process, but it's a community building process. And we discuss a lot of things that are similar to what we're talking about here. Um, I think, when you bring those, when you create a space where people can acknowledge their presumptions, but also uh, have time and, um, and, and, and mutual respect enough to hear other people's uh, presumptions or information that might be contrary to it, I think that's where you really see growth. And um, what that means is either the person who is bringing the information or who's bringing the initial value or initial wealth into the conversation either has to distribute that wealth or they have to like create space for other people to bring something to, which is why we always start off with a, with a freestyles because it kind of levels the playing field. And we start off with music first is because it creates spaces for everybody to kind of like yeah. make, make their own, make the space their own before we even get into the science, you know what I mean? Or before I pull out a scale, you know, and I, and I keep all the scales on the table. Like people can go look 
at it themselves and make their own presumptions and be curious on their own. So that way, when we enter it and we've all freestyled and, you know, I'll mess up on the freestyle. Like, you know, I ain't going to cap. I don't mess up on the freestyle. But, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. we all kind of have this kind of fun communal experience. By the time we get into the coffee, like, there's already an atmosphere of like, yeah. okay, I could be wrong, you could be wrong, but let's learn together. You know, and each of us brings some unique information that should be valued. And so let's each of us have like an area of specialty and we're teachers in our own way and we're teaching each other. So I think that's kind of like that mutual curiosity and trying to create like an equal opportunity learning space is good for when we're yeah. when we're trying to get the neighborhood in the coffee shop. Yeah. That's something that I really find inspiration from from you is that because I think a large part of of those poverty areas that we're talking about where coffee shops are is that sometimes it feels like space specifically with, with the black community is that they feel that coffee is the furthest thing from their culture. When in actuality, coffee is at the basis of their heritage right. and of their culture. So I think that's a really powerful, powerful yeah. thing. I, I like, I like the idea of curiosity too, with, with creating those spaces. And because we're, we're doing nothing more than, than ushering in this this whole industry and world of of coffee to people and i think it's really important and we're mm-hmm. that we're mindful of of how we approach that uh, because because if if we present information to people that's yeah. incorrect or we present information to people that is selfish you know like this this golem idea that you mentioned then that's all people are going to think of coffee and they're not going to think of coffee as something that is not really ours or not really one person's but it's our collective thing yeah, that's some. Those yeah. are some. Those are some really good thoughts. You you answered multiple questions that I I could have thought about, and that, as you were speaking. Yeah, and we haven't figured this. Like I haven't figured this out. I think it's something I'm curious about. To go back to the curiosity piece, and so I find myself thinking about it and reading about it and and, and trying to see. That's why I like you know I've been talking to a lot more African people recently to be like, yo, okay, do y'all even want us drinking this day? You know what I mean? Because if it was me. And I had and, and and I discovered like uh the second biggest industry in the world, like right after oil, and I didn't get any money, like I'd be hot, yo. I'd be like, yo, I'm gonna need y'all to come up off. But like all the all the African people I talk to are super nice. They're like, no, like everybody we want every everybody has like their own you know, it's kind of sad how it happened because of you know, the colonialistic efforts of a lot of different countries. But at this point, like, it's there. People have it. All we want to do is, like, yeah. to have our opportunity to tell what it means to us and for for to have that, to come into that conversation, which I'm like, yo, this is, like, the, the humility, nicest. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's so freaking kind and loving. Yeah, bro. But I'm like, so Absolutely. this dude is being humble. Yeah. I definitely got to be humble. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's how I feel. And it's like, yo, if he's not saying it's his... And he has the right, or she has the right to say it's hers, because a lot of times, like, it's the women who are actually, like, brewing the, which that's a whole other conversation, but, like, when in an in a Ethiopian family, like, a lot of times the women, based on my understanding, like, the women are the people actually sourcing and roasting and preparing the coffee. So they're the coffee roasters, the coffee sources, the brew, <laughs> and it's such a male-dominant, anyway, let me get off this. You know, the, the scripture says, you know, we yeah. love because Messiah first loved us. I think that when you receive love, you have a, a, a ethical responsibility to then be loving. And when someone lowers themselves or humbles themselves, uh, scriptures also say he took on the very nature of a servant, you know, not considering uh, equality with God, something to be grasped. Like, yep. so because of that, how much more should I serve my neighbor? You know what I mean? Especially on a coffee tip, 
where my neighbor is someone who's very different than me. Like trying to create that space, even with the information and education, like I don't like to come in and be like, yo, you need to be making pour over. Right you know what I mean? <laughs> like I try to more so like get people to tell me their story. And as we share stories, you know, a lot of it is story sharing, but that creates yeah. a mutual space for respect. No, I could talk to you endlessly. We've had many conversations from ethical stuff to, to, you know, more nerdy yes. experimentation stuff. Yep. Yep. We like get to a point where we're like, okay, wow. Now I got to kind of acknowledge that, you know, maybe my palate could be wrong. Like the thing that I think is the best coffee to suck to yeah. a different group of people could be the worst coffee. You know what I mean? And so like creating spaces to start appreciating things that like, cause like I told you, my palate is predisposed to like really viscous, really um, me and Kenny say this, Kenny's our roaster. I like to say sexy, like I like sexy coffees, you know what I mean? Like I want it to be like, you know, curvaceous. Like I want that mug to like sit for a minute. I want it to yeah. be like deep and rich and like, you know what I mean? But like we're cupping these two coffees right now from one of my brothers from from, from Eritrea and their favorite coffee is the Yergachev or the <laughs> Yergachefe, which I realized I was saying Yergachev wrong. So like the Yergachefe. You know what's funny though? Is I heard a guy say Yergachefe like five years ago. I was like, this guy, what are you? <laughs> and then now I'm talking to these Ethiopian people and Eritrean people or these Habesha people and they're Yergachefe. like, Yergachefe. And I'm like, I, I was saying it wrong. So I'm like, you gotta, it's gotta be space to be like, I am not, okay, I'm not I'm right. Cool. Yeah. Like, let me, let me learn. But, <laughs> Bro, yeah, or I could be wrong, or like let me just hold on to this loosely enough to to be willing to listen when when someone else brings me contrary that or information that's contrary to what I assumed. But yeah, bro, like um, yeah, and so anyway, for for I'm realizing for a lot of my brothers, like the florality of a coffee matters a lot. The flora, I can like my personal palate is not predisposed towards florality <laughs> at all, dog. I don't care about floral coffee. I be like, I want my coffee to be like punch me. I want it to be like, you know what I mean, like red fruit. I'm trying to get some like, you know, some it really, really to me stuff that I'm excited about. But at the same time, I could be wrong. Like, like I'm so now I'm trying to. This morning I was brewing the yoga chef, and I was like, let me let me spend more time with this yoga chef. Maybe find something like a brew ratio that pulls out a little bit where I like, but also. Let me let me learn to appreciate this <laughs> yeah. bouquet of flowers in my mouth right now. You know what no, I mean? That's that's something I talked about in the, the last so, episode was about palate cleansing because I've been drinking so much tea. And it comes from my mom who also really likes tea. And I've just grown up around a around a lot of really floral, hibiscusy, rose heavy teas. And because of that, I now love coffees that resemble that. Because our taste is is a very emotional thing. Yeah. Right? Like when you when you taste something it's a lot of times based off of yeah. say, something that you ate as a child. Yeah. And I think it's a lot of times what people Nostalgia. get after when they're drinking coffee is like, wow, this, this reminds me of Thanksgiving with my family. And it's like, what, how, how do those things relate? But, but taste is yep. such an emotional thing. And the thing that has been really powerful for me has been taking a break from drinking coffee and then tasting other things and being so conscious when I'm, when I'm eating them or drinking them. And really thinking, like, what does this taste like? Where is this sitting in my mouth? Where does this take yeah. me back in my mind? When I eat this food, do I feel like I'm seven years old on Christmas? Do I feel like it's in the summertime and I'm outside and sweating my butt off? Yeah. So I think along that line, like predisposition yeah. to taste yeah. is absolutely a reality that we have to take into account when we're tasting stuff. Because 
something because I like floral coffees, it's probably based off the fact that, like I said, my mom liked floral teas that I drink as a kid. So now as an adult, that's what I like. Whereas with you, you may not yeah. have had that same experience, which is is so is so fun. Like that's what that's what I love about coffee yeah, is that it's so it it is ever so many things, but the fact that based off of what you grew up with and what I grew up with determines what we enjoy and dictates a lot of what we enjoy now and thinking and yes. then the even more fun thing to me is taking ourselves outside that box being like okay Bartholomew does not like floral coffee let me try to take some of the coffee that he likes and learn to appreciate it and see maybe a perspective of where, where he's coming from um, and I think that opens up our minds to so many other things and that's what's yes it's, bro yeah you dialed in the coffee that we were selling that city and state and you've had like that was the same lot even and yet in the process of us getting multiple bags from our importer which i'm trying to move away from using a lot of importers um the part of this is why but like we got a bag right when like we really started selling with uh the shop that you work at <laughs> and the notes were different so then we had to like redo our roast profile it was like this is the same coffee and i i didn't like that bag of coffee anywhere near as much as i like the way it was tasting yeah. like when we had the first couple bags or first couple sacks. Lo and behold, like I get messages on a regular basis on Instagram. Like, yo, I had you guys at city and state. I was in town. This was the best coffee I've ever had in my life. So I'm like, yo, somebody <laughs> out there really like cacao nibs. You know what I mean? Cacao nibs is not what I want in my coffee. I want like a buttery kind of like savory finish, you know, or mouthfeel to it, but like, or finish to it, but this dude was like, he was really into it, and to him, it was the best coffee he ever had in his life, so and not, like, we've had, like, I can't tell you how many people come up and tell me that, so it's like, bro, part of it is like it's just funny, bro, because like, we just playing God, like, God made all these different varietals, and he said they're all good and we want to come up and be like, oh, no, it's the geisha that is the primary you know what I mean, it's like, dog like, they're all good we like to do that i think as humans yeah. like to categorize things like that's something we're into but at the end of the day like they're that's all right. good they're all made by that's the right. lord so like we just got to enjoy them you know and i think the humility and the fun is in me learning at this point in coffee yeah. is for me learning well what do you like about coffee and trying to put myself in your shoes and experiencing new things so i, I i'm always going to have you know for me something that is i'm trying to get i, I don't, don't know if you know what a freeze cup is but like there are these people called candy ladies in our neighborhoods when we grew up, you know, ladies who would sell like snacks after school, you know, they have candy and chips and nacho cheese and pickles and all this type of stuff. So anyway, they like people would freeze Kool-Aid, like concentrated Kool-Aid, make a concentrated Kool-Aid, freeze it, put it in a styrofoam cup and then you buy it. So I was like, right. Um, a really homemade popsicle basically. Um, and so, but it was like really sweet, really viscous, you know what I mean? Um, very like pungently fruity. Funny thing was when we got nominated for like a, for the Sprudge Twenty, most recently, like my guy, um, my guy at Counterculture, uh, Cameron, he's the one who nominated us, and we ended up getting the award. But when he described our coffee, he said they have a really pungent Ethiopian, which is exactly the way I think like pungently fruity is how I think about like deep red fruit, but also like a deep purpley fruit. Like that's just how Kool-Aid tastes. So I think I, at, at my heart, yeah. I always want my coffee to taste like Kool-Aid. You know what I mean? To be viscous and to be syrupy and to be fruity. And that makes and sense. To have like, kind of like a buttery, savory finish is what <laughs> I'm looking for. And right, right. And I'm trying to get back to that experience, that experience like a fago, mm. you know what I mean? Or like a jungle juice. Like I'm trying to get that that vibe off of my coffee. 
uh, especially when I put it on ice. But somebody else, like you said, has a different experience. They drink a lot of tea growing up. Of course, a coffee that tastes right. like tea is going to be the coolest thing in the world to them. You know, so then those people probably want to pay 60 bucks for a pound of geisha or for 12 ounces of geisha. I don't. I'm like, yo, this is ridiculous. Oh, tell me about it. Tea is <laughs> so tastes like, <laughs> like it tastes, it tastes like water. Like this, this geisha tastes like water right now. I don't understand why it's, why y'all hype off this. And folks be like, it's delicate. I'm like, all right, it's delicate. Okay. It's not for me, but I'm trying, but I can, I always try it because yeah. I'm like, Maybe I'm missing something. You know what I mean? Like maybe sure. maybe this time I'll get what they get. So plug plug your stuff so let people know where you're at, what you're up to. Yeah, I know you have a podcast of your own that you recently started too. But yeah, the, the Coffee Black Coffee Black podcast we just started, uh, and it's just really trying to dive into a lot of the historical information. So I, I kind of broke down the general story of how coffee was stolen uh, from Africa by Europe, and then this most recent episode I got a chance to interview Ibrahim who's the owner of a Romo coffee company. And then the next episode, well, in that episode, he thought we break down like, man, um, how did that happen? Kind of what's their perspective on what the way coffee is now? What do they want to happen in the future? Blah, 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 blah. And then, um, you know, from that point, we move forward and have some other conversations that I think were really interesting as far as its potential to help uh, the black diaspora and, um, you know, kind of what they want people to remember or think about or take from coffee. So check that out. We, uh, we have, we're a social enterprise that wants to see um, change in the community happen through coffee. We want to put the black history back in black coffee. And so we have two product lines. We have Guji Man Coffee, um, which is a coffee that's normally from the Guji region of Ethiopia, but right now it's from the Sadamo region because Guji is sold out right now. Uh, but new crops are in, so we're cupping. And then we also have um, a, a brew culture apparel, which is like a line of clothes and music and all that. So we just dropped the album on Spotify and everywhere else called Coffee Black CX. F-F-E-E, Black X, like Malcolm X. So you can get all that stuff online Sweet. on coffeeblack.com. Thank you yeah, so man. much for, for chatting, man. It's always a pleasure to hear from you. Man. Of course. Thank you for listening to episode four. There are many other angles on this conversation, and I would love to hear from you. For corrections, questions, and discussion starters, please reach out via anchor.fm slash 901cart or by emailing me directly at 901sustaincoffee at gmail.com. Please don't hesitate to let your thoughts be heard. Until next time.